Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. On Saturday, Troy secured their second straight Sunbelt Championship with a resounding victory over the App State Mountaineers. Today on episode 157 of the show, it's time for our Sunbelt Championship game recap. We'll break down the biggest moments from the game. We'll talk about the key turning points and discuss the outlook for Troy and App State as we head into bowl season. Caden, all I've got to say, what a journey this year was. So many twists and turns, so many surprises. We saw excellent individual performances, team performances as well. It was capped off with Troy winning another Sunbelt title. Honestly, partner, what a year it's been. What a year it's been and what a time to cover the Sunbelt Conference. I know we started this journey last season with the addition of so many new teams to the conference that added a whole new level of energy and excitement. And I think now seeing the second year with all of those teams be in the conference, it's just been an absolute pleasure to, on a weekly basis, watch some of the best football you can get across the whole entire college football landscape and it all culminating into a fantastic championship game between two teams that have that championship pedigree that have kind of cut from the same cloth when we had the time to talk to their different coaches and personnel and players from both teams and both programs. I think it's no secret that teams like App State and teams like Troy were some of the few teams that were playing in conference championships this weekend. And regardless of any league of of any team that was playing in their conference title game, all those teams have a little something in common. And I think when you look at the league and going forward, you're just going to see a lot of teams that have a lot of that championship DNA year after year, just given what these coaches have been able to do against each other, what these players have been able to do, rising to the occasion, put up nationally rated numbers when it comes to the entire college football landscape. So what a year for the Sun Belt. Can't wait for another season, but I'm definitely looking forward to talking about this championship game and talking about some more postseason stuff in the future with the bowl games in the state of this conference right now. Well, Cade and I have some thoughts about the Sun Belt's place in the college football landscape. We're going to get into that a little bit later on in this episode, but definitely looking forward to kind of putting some things out there, some things that you and I talked about on the the car ride home from Troy. Well, let's talk about this Sunbelt Championship game. Troy winning 49-23 to over the App State Mountaineers. Caden, as I mentioned, their second straight Sunbelt title. They stretched their win streak to 10 games to end the regular season. It's the second straight year that this Trojans team has put together a 10-plus game winning streak. And, Caden, this is only the second team compared to your 2018 and 2019 App State teams to repeat as Sunbelt Championship game winners. That's a big deal to be able to do this. The championship game's only been played since 2018, but uh, certainly impressive to repeat as champions. But, Caden, before we jump headlong into what we witnessed on Saturday, I felt like it was a great opportunity to just talk about the experience that you and I had. We had a great time in Troy, Alabama. So many people rolled out the red carpet. It's been neat to continue to see these relationships grow over the last couple of seasons. Troy treated us very well. The people down there are, are top-notch people, Caden. It was, a, it was a great experience this past weekend in Troy, Alabama. It definitely was, and we had a great experience, obviously, the first time we visited the Sunbelt Championship last year with Troy, but I feel like where the podcast has grown and where the Sunbelt has grown, all culminating to go back to Troy again and be treated the way we were, it was just amazing. I have to thank all of the people of Troy for the support and just really rolling out the red carpet for us. It was a great tour in the facilities this season. It was great talking and having more of that rapport with the coaching staff, with the players now being there for a second season, being able to catch even a Troy basketball game and go to restaurants and just experience kind of the, the Troy culture yet again, and I think 
just hearing the feedback from our listeners as well. I just want to give a shout out to anyone that we encountered during the trip that was giving us our recognition and giving us props for covering the conference and what we do for the conference. It's a, it's a two-way street. We appreciate the listeners just as much as they appreciate us. And I think being in the conference championship game yet again with another year of this podcast under our belt was just extremely gratifying feeling for sure as far as being able, able to have conversations with people in and outside of the conference about just the, the, the conference itself and kind of celebrating it in a championship weekend and celebrating it through its champion this year in Troy. Yeah, Caden, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Also, shout out our tour guide, Wesley. He's a student at Troy, did a fantastic job showing us through the facilities, Caden. But you're right, getting to meet and continue to build relationships with the people down there in Troy was special. I really enjoyed, although it was soaking wet at halftime, getting down and taking a picture with uh, the fans that we were able to give tickets and parking to the Sunbelt Championship game with. That was a lot of fun. A special thank you as well to Adam Prendergast and his communications team for all the resources and help that they were. And, and you look at, you know, the the members of this Troy football program that that made our, you know, visit great. Definitely uh, can't say enough. And I'm certainly excited about the future trajectory of not only the Troy football program, but also Troy athletics as a whole under the leadership of Brent Jones. I think there's a lot of exciting things going on down in Troy, Alabama, and certainly excited to to share more of that uh, as we head into the offseason. But Caden, let's talk about this Troy team. Uh, we are officially in the Troy Trojans era of Sunbelt football. They have repeated as Sunbelt champions last year, obviously winning it in the first season under John Sumrall. They go on to win the Cure Bowl this year. Very similar type of story arc. You Start the season a bit slow. They end it on a 10-game winning streak. And Caden Troy has won their second straight Sunbelt Championship. They do it in dominant fashion. And really from start to finish this year, you felt like Troy was amongst the best teams in this league, maybe outside of James Madison. They proved it on Saturday. Yeah, no, and there's no denying this is the Troy era of the Sunbelt. When you look at the championship era of the Sunbelt, App State was able to take home the first championship game win back-to-back seasons in 2018 and 2019. And when you look at 2020 and 2021, you can kind of split that era up between Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. Those teams would have played in the 2020 championship, weren't able to. And then the following year, Louisiana takes home that ring. And I think now we're looking at 22 and 23 and seeing Troy do this very same thing, going back to back and winning conference championships. I think a lot of it has to do with their head coach, John Summerall, who we've had on this podcast many a time. And I think it's clear through our conversations with him and just from a culture standpoint, this team has taken on his identity. They're a tough, hard-nosed team. They hang their hat on playing great defense, which they really had to rely on last season. And then this year, they got to rely more on the offensive side of the ball as well and really culminate into an amazing season where they have consistently year after year senior leadership who's really been able to echo John Summerall's message and everything he's about, see that trickle down to their entire team. And that's why on a weekly basis, you're seeing the squad rise to the occasion and be able to pull out wins in whichever way possible. They've started off the season a little bit slower in both of their respective seasons, but when they get rolling, this team gets addicted to winning. They know what it tastes like. And when they get that taste, it's very clear that they can be dangerous to any single opponent that they put in front of them. So very excited to see which bowl team is now going to be faced with this amazing Troy team in their matchup. But when you look at this Troy era now that we're in with back-to-back seasons of winning conference championships, just have to tip your cap off to their head coach, their culture, and their players for really implementing that and imposing their will on all their opponents when they do face them when the when the balls drop. Yeah, Kane, I have to admit, just as we spent more time there, you started to notice just the family atmosphere that has been built, you know, in this era of college football where you see kids transferring out 
it doesn't happen a lot. And I, and I do think that speaks to the coaching staff that, that is in place down there. John Summerall, obviously uh, the leader, we got to talk to, to several other of the uh, coaches on that staff. So really exciting, I think to see Caden and, you know, now obviously it's still a bowl season, but I think at this point you probably, it's hard to bet against John Summerall. This team is probably going into next year as the favorite to three P. Yeah, I I wanted to to really bet on on South Alabama this year. That obviously bet that, that that bet kind of bit me in the butt when you look at the entire season they had. But when it comes to this Troy team, they're going to be a very hard program to bet against moving forward. And I think they're going to have probably the same formula for winning that they did last season and the season before that in their third year. And I think they're definitely going to be the favorites to come out of the West. I think there's no question about it with Coach Summerall. I've said it in the past. He's the scariest head coach to face in this conference. I think he's a little bit even more scary to other people watching him, how he reacted on the sideline that went viral with Gunnar Watson's face mask penalty that wasn't called. But I think this team and this culture and this program is going to be hard to bet against looking next season. They'll definitely be the favorites in the West and probably the favorites in the entire conference, just given their body of work the last two seasons for sure. Well, Caden, enough uh, high-level talk about this game. Let's get into the X's and O's and just how this game played out. And for me, it has to start with just moments that changed this football game. In my opinion, there were several just very key moments in this game. I think back to a couple of these these forced fumbles. I think of Don Callis taking one back to the house, a, a, a young transfer taking advantage in a big moment. I also think of a, a huge play that happened when App State was able to pick up that that muff punt, but then you get a 15-yard penalty right after that that sets you back. They weren't able to get into the end zone on that drive, Caden. There were some huge moments, and in championship games, you've played in these types of games. It oftentimes comes down to a handful of plays, a handful of moments to determine a champion, and in this game, Troy was able to take advantage of those big moments. Yeah, no, I think when it comes down to the game, you look at the score and if you just look at the box score, it looks clearly lopsided. But the majority of this game was a neck and neck close fought battle that Troy was able to run with at the end when things just kind of unraveled for App State. But I think when you look at the start of the game, the intensity, the effort, the energy of both teams was matched and you saw it by going punt, 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 punt. Both teams and defenses were playing their best effort. It looked like it was going to be very much a low scoring battle where field position was put at a premium. But I think the first major turning point of the game was after both the defense were playing strong and, and forcing punts left and right. App State finally was the first team to break the seal that tried to go for it on a fourth down around midfield. And you saw them not convert that convert that fourth down. And that first kind of was the first time in this game that any of the offenses were handed the starting field position for their drive in a favorable position. And Troy was able to answer that call and put the first points on the board from that game. Then kind of in that middle eight period, the first four minutes, the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half, you saw both teams trade touchdowns. And then you mentioned it. I think the hugest kind of biggest turning point of this game was the fumble. And it looked like it was going to be a big turning point for this App State team when Jabri Barber did muff that punt and App State was able to get on top of it. But when you add an unnecessary roughness penalty that takes that punt recovery from the Troy nine-yard line back to the 24-yard line and you see App State have to end up kicking a field goal in that position, that was a huge opportunity for this team down by just a touchdown to tie the game instead they just get the field goal and the three points in that situation and given kind of the the, the turning of the tide in the game you could see app state's defense was starting to really struggle with tackling kamani vidal and then once they weren't able to tie the game up you saw that troy continue to lean into that they got a big touchdown out of chris lewis you see the fumble recovered for a touchdown from don Callis in that game i think 
once that fourth quarter kind of turning point happened where App State wasn't able to hit the equalizer, I think that's when this game really opened up. You saw Troy start to run with it. You saw their confidence start to build on the defenses of side of the ball and in the running game, and then the rest was history in this matchup. Kane, I thought it was interesting in the post-game press conference. I think it was one of the more iconic quotes that we've gotten out of John Summerall in his two years there. He talked about this Troy team is always going to be the hunter. And when you look at that fourth quarter, that's exactly what Troy was. For me, that was a, a massive element of this game. This game was 21-17 to going into the fourth quarter. You think back to last year, this was a, a Troy team that they kind of just suffocated the life out of you as you got deeper in football games. But this year in this fourth quarter, they go out and outscore App State 28-6. to It kind of just felt like they put their, their foot on the neck of the Mountaineers and just ended things very quickly in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and I think when you look at Troy this whole season, we've been talking about how they've always had the ability as an offense to kind of take their shots and pick teams apart. And it looked like it was very clear in this game. They didn't mind it being close in the beginning of the game. Troy had confidence in their self on their home field that they were going to pull out this win. They kind of had that composure throughout the entire contest. And I think throughout the ball game, you unfortunately saw App State kind of lose some of that composure and Troy kind of continuing to gain it. And I think it really comes down to the entire seasons of this team. You saw App State was able to get hot at the right time at the end of the season, they were able to start this game off hot, but then fizzled off versus a Troy team who's been consistent pretty much all year, was consistent for all four quarters of this game. And as a result in the fourth quarter, when App State felt those tides kind of turning and one turnover and one mistake started to lead into multiple, you saw Troy be able to fully take advantage of that and fully put their foot on the gas to make this one look a little bit ugly and a little bit lopsided at the end of things. So you have to give credit to their team, their staff, for really smelling some blood in the water. And when they did that, they were able to definitely attack and put their foot on the gas and get a win. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this Troy defense because this was a, a major element of this game. This is a, a Troy defense that had five sacks. Javon Solomon was outstanding in this game. We'll talk about him a little bit more in a moment. But this App State team had only allowed 15 sacks all season long. But this defensive front for Troy that has been red hot down the stretch of the season really just had their way with that Mountaineers offensive line. Yeah, they definitely did. We knew this was going to be a game that was very much predicated on what was going to happen in the trenches. And Troy clearly understood that assignment on the defensive side of the ball like they tend to do throughout the season and throughout the past two years. And you saw that with the impressive play from all of their players in the front seven, even a guy in the secondary like Del Pettis rolling down and having a huge impact as a safety in the run game, being able to get a sack, two TFLs, which was a career fire high for him 11 tackles you mentioned Javon Solomon wreaking havoc with two sacks and two and a half tackles for loss this team was dominant on the line of scrimmage had 10 TFLs total in the game held this app state offense to just 108 yards on the ground they weren't really able to be consistent throughout the entire game on the ground thanks to Troy and I think Joy Aguilar as a quarterback wasn't able to get too consistent just because of the consistent pressure that was on him we've seen his game log the past couple weeks four touchdowns, four touchdowns, three touchdowns, zero in this game. And a lot of that does have to do with some of the excellent coverage we saw. You definitely have to give a shout out to the secondary for Troy for being able to play super tight coverage. We were watching in the booth and it was very hard for wide receivers on App State's team to get separation. But when you pair that with a nasty defensive front that's constantly keeping the quarterback under duress and keeping running backs kind of at the line of scrimmage, for the most part, you get the results you get in this game. So huge shout out to their defense for really fueling this win and doing what they've done all season at the biggest stage. Kaden, you mentioned some of just these standout defensive performances. Del Pettis with that 11 tackles, five solo tackles, had a sack, a pair of TFLs. You mentioned Javon Solomon with eight tackles, two and a half for loss, two sacks, two forced fumbles. The question I have for you, obviously we saw another offensive player win the belt here in this game. 
is it time for us to consider having a defensive MVP award in the Sunbelt Championship game, given some of the defensive performances we've seen over the last several seasons? Yeah, that'd be a great idea. I think when you look at conference championship games and really end of season awards at large in any level of football, it's kind of hard to give these defensive players recognition. When you look at overall bodies of work, just given how difficult the quarterback position is, how hard and how impactful a running back can be on any given game. And we saw that in all the championships in Sunbelt history, despite some really big defensive performances. So I think it'd be great to kind of award defensive players as a former defensive player, definitely down for that. And I think even with the Detroit team and the performance they had, you could really argue about who could be the most impactful defensive player on this team. You look at a guy even like Buda Jones, who plays in that nose tackle spot, kind of a thankless spot. And he was kind of one of those guys up front that was able to get the John Javon Solomon's free, freed up for the games they were able to have. Jalen McDonald's free for sacks and tackles for losses as well. Don Callis probably making the play of the game, having one of those unassisted plays that every DB dreams of coming off the edge, being able to strip a ball, scoop it yourself and score. So I think when it comes to defensive players and MVPs, this Troy team has a lot of them. It'd be hard for them even for an entire season to pick one. And I think in this game and in this game moving forward, it would definitely be great to highlight some of that. Well, Caden, let's talk about the guy who picked up uh championship MVP honors. He became the second running back to win the award. We spoke with the first Darrington Evans, who won it in 2018 and 2019 back on Wednesday's episode last week. But Caden, this was a legendary performance from Kimani Vidal. This will be talked about for years to come. He finishes this game with 233 yards rushing in this contest. He finished with five touchdowns, which according to ESPN, was the most rushing touchdowns by a running back in a conference championship game in FBS history. Caden, this was a legendary performance from Kamani Vidal, and it caps off what is going to be a legendary career as a Troy Trojan. Yeah, we're fully aware of the year Kamani Vidal had and the career he's had at Troy. When you look at his just total body of work and the records he was able to break this season and what he was able to do as far as his national recognition and standing amongst the nation's best running backs. And he fully put that on display in this game. And probably what was one of, if not the best performance we've seen from a running back in a conference championship game across all of college football history, which is an amazing achievement. When you look at being able to post 233 yards and five touchdowns of this game, we've talked about it all season. Kamani is a different back. He's a special back. We know we've talked to different guys in Troy's facilities about what his future in the NFL is going to look like and some potential opportunities he'll have down the line. And I think it all comes down to just his well-roundedness and both coaches when we spoke about to them before heading into this matchup spoke about his ability to make the first guy miss his ability to break tackles we saw that on full display coach Summerall even said after the game the offensive line did a great job of creating some opportunities for him to get downhill and get in the end zone but he also created some opportunities for himself when you could probably pause the tape and say okay this is definitely a play that's going to end in a loss a one-yard gain a tackle at the line of scrimmage and Kamani's breaking tackles and even having impressive five ten-yard runs after contact despite looking dead to rights at some time so you have to give credit not just to the offensive line for creating opportunities for Kamani but his consist because the consistent ability to break tackles get to the second and third level and he put that on full display in this matchup he's a complete back who can do it with speed he can do it with power his pass protection's been really slept on he's just a complete guy that We've also heard embodies everything this Troy program is about, and he definitely embodied it on Saturday night, that's for sure. Well, Caden, let's talk about the flip side now of this rushing performance, and we've got to talk about App State's defensive failure against the run in this game. They give up 271 
yards on the ground. I think one of the things that was particularly concerning was the the big plays that they allowed in this game. Over 190 yards of those rushing yards came on big plays. Kamani Vidal had seven runs of, of 10 or more yards in this contest. Caden, what went wrong for this App State defense against this Trojans rushing attack? Yeah, I think even looking into the game to start off with, I thought the most important things that App State was going to have to do to avoid losing in this game was going to have to be to stop the Troy pass rush, especially on the edge with those edge rushers they have and stop Troy in the run game. And we know they had, for the majority of the season, the worst rushing defense in the entire conference. They'll end the year as the third worst rushing defense, which really is impressive to just speaks to their turnaround, what they were able to do this year. But in this individual matchup, it definitely got the best of this unit. And early on in the game, we saw there were some moments, maybe one guy was out of their gap. You saw Troy's offensive lineman really executed a high level and be able to create opportunities for Kamani. But you talked about, I talked about it before, even when this App State team was in the perfect position to make some plays, Kamani was running dudes over. He was falling forward. He was really making guys pay for not only being out of position, but even when they were in position, getting the best of them, especially when he got close to that red zone area, when he was on that 30 yard line and he started sniffing the end zone. You could tell that once he kind of broke through that first level, he had his eyes on the end zone and was getting to that second and third level and getting to the end zone very often. So for me, when it comes to what App State did wrong in this game, as far as stopping the run, it's a combination of when they were in positions to execute, Kamani got the best of them when he was breaking tackles, he was making plays happen. And the combination of Troy being consistent all season and running the ball with their schemes and being able to create lanes for Kamani to cook. So I think as far as it goes with App State, they're going to watch the film for sure. They're going to look at their rush defense and really be disappointed in the performance they had across the board, I think, in this matchup. And one of the major reasons why they weren't able to get the win. Hey, but at the end of the day, if there is a you know glimmer of hope for this App State team, this is what Kamani Vidal has done all season long in the Sun Belt. He has been the best running back. I'm going to go ahead and say it in the conference this year. It's the reason why he was named Offensive Player of the Year. So there is that to think about, certainly uh, with his performance. Caden, we've spent a lot of time talking about Troy's side of this game, obviously coming out, you know, winning their second in a row, establishing themselves in the midst of this Troy era in the Sun Belt. But we've got to talk about this App State team. This is a team that was picked to finish second in the East during the preseason. They technically finished second in the East after the regular season. They're going back to a bowl game in a couple of weeks. I know that's huge for fans up on the mountain, but Caden, when you look at this App State team, just put this season into perspective for me. I think this will go down. We talked and we were talking after the game about did App State meet their expectations this year or not. And I think if you would have told any App State fan, no matter what the record was, no matter how it looked, were you going to have this App State team playing in the conference championship this year, they would take it by any means necessary. And I think given, like we talked about with Coach Clark, the last season they had where they did not make a bowl game and only achieved six wins, to go into this season having that slow start, only winning going three and two to start the season having back-to-back losses against coastal carolina and old dominion i think the their ability to turn things around really showed a different level of perseverance and i think when we look at kind of rating teams in the future as far as their success in the conference unless you're having a year like troy or james madison where you're only dropping one conference loss and you're reaching double digit wins when it comes down to ending the regular season it's kind of hard to to compare when you look at what other teams in the east were capable of you have to be impressed with app state did and i think you saw on social media, I was a little bit afraid of this fan base and what the reaction would be to the Sumbo, but it seemed like for the most part, there was an overall appreciation for what this team was able to do this season as far as battling adversity and still being able to meet the expectations as far as playing in a championship game 
this year. You had amazing, amazing standout performances throughout the entire season from a player like Joey Aguilar, who was a surprise, who wasn't even a starter coming into the year. So I think as far as App State's state and kind of what they were able to do this season, you have to be impressed with that win streak they went on. You saw Coastal Carolina go on a similar win streak and wasn't able to finish the job. You saw various teams in the East not be able to finish the job and be consistent. But this App State team was able to be consistent when it mattered most. Some of those inconsistencies you saw early in the year kind of when they went toe-to-toe to Troy, you saw them kind of re-spark, and some of that has to do with App State's end of making some mistakes, and a lot of that has to do with how great of a team Troy was. I think when you played this game multiple times, you're going to see Troy win most of the matchups, just given their DNA, their pedigree, and their consistency on both sides of the ball throughout the year, but you have to give a shout-out to App State for kind of meeting their championship expectations as far as making it, having a huge win against James Madison this year, who many teams Many people consider the class of the conference, and I think it's nothing to hang their hats about. Their families, their players, everyone around the organization is going to be feeling a little sick this week, and I've been a conference championship loser. It does not feel good, but I think the further you get away from it, the further this fan base and the further this program will be able to appreciate the amazing turnaround they had this year. Caden, instant reaction. App State will play in the Cure Bowl versus Miami of Ohio, who just won the MAC. What's your thoughts? I'm super happy. That's amazing to hear. I think what we talked about in the past is there's kind of a, a monotony as far as seeing Sunbelt teams continuously playing the same bowl games. And I'm very happy to see that this App State team will be playing in a bowl game they haven't played in before in their history, going to the Cure Bowl, playing a conference champion. That's an awesome sight. That's going to be an awesome scene. And I definitely have positive reactions. And I think you're going to see a lot of App State's fans, a lot of them, especially who travel to the Troy are going to be traveling to this one too, especially given some of the weather we've seen in the high country lately. Congrats to App State for making this bowl game and a new bowl game for this program. Well, Caden, I teased it at the beginning of this episode. I need you just to sit back because I've got some things that I want to get off my chest here when it comes to, to Troy and their lack of consideration for the college football playoff this year. This is a Troy team that is the champion of what many have now called the premier group of five conference. Before we get into this, though, I do want to say a word of congratulations to a former podcast guest, the Former head coach of Coastal Carolina, Jamie Chadwell, his Liberty Flames will be playing in the Fiesta Bowl, facing off against Oregon after an undefeated regular season. But, Caden, I want to talk about Liberty a little bit here. And in context, Troy, even talk a little bit about SMU. This Liberty team that is playing in the Fiesta Bowl, eight of their 13 wins were against programs who ranked below 100 this season. Their strength of schedule was 133rd in the country. That was dead last. They failed to play a Power 5 opponent this year. And, Caden, for me, the the concern is, is what type of precedent does that set, that you can go into a conference like Conference USA that will only have five bowl-eligible teams this year that many have ranked towards the bottom of Group of Five conferences. You don't schedule outside of the Power 5, and you're rewarded with a trip to the college football playoff. SMU was certainly in that conversation as well to get in. I even felt like they had a better case to jump Liberty and play in that Fiesta Bowl. But, Caden, the frustration for me comes from looking at this Troy team. This is a Troy team that was not ranked in the final college football playoff rankings of the year. I think that is an absolute travesty. After you saw the Sun Belt put 12 teams into bowl season this year, the most of any conference that clearly speaks to the strength of the conference, Caden, a conference that many have now called the best group of five conference. We heard John Summerall in the postgame press conference talk about having played in the SEC, having coached in the SEC, and calling the Sun Belt uh, the SEC of the group of five. And Troy did not get any consideration. 
for this New Year's Six Bowl spot, Kate. And this is a Troy team that went 11-2 and this year, nine wins over bowl-eligible teams, and both of their losses were two ranked opponents. You saw Kansas State at the beginning of the year. James Madison is ranked in the final AP poll of the season. For me, it sets a, a poor precedent, Caden, and I think it lends itself to a conversation that the Sun Belt as a whole has to get better at how we're promoting these teams. This is a team that should have been considered for this spot despite the two losses. They were clearly one of the or clearly the champion of the best conference in the group of five this year. Caden, I'm concerned about the precedent here, and it just had to be talked about because the Sun Belt deserved to have a team or at least be considered for the New Year's Six Bowl spot. And to have had that not happen to me is a travesty and something that needs to be talked about in the Sun Belt as we move ahead into the 12 team college football playoff era beginning next season. Extremely well said, Noah. I don't know how much I can add to that because that was very precise and very on point as far as a, a big picture look at the postseason and how the Sun Belt relates and ties to that. But I will say this as a player who formerly played in the Sun Belt, this is not Caden Smith's Sun Belt we're watching. The, the 16, 17, 18 years I played in the Sun Belt compared to right now, it's on a completely different level as a conference. There's a reason why nationwide people are saying this is the best group of five conference. And I think when it comes down to the people who are making these decisions, College Football Playoff Committee obviously had their hands full as far as the top of the of the college football pinnacle right now with rank, rating and ranking those top teams and the, the issues they've had there and them trying to figure that out. But I think when it comes down to it, when you look at a group of five conference football, you have to look at it and you have to just ask the people who who watch football and, and really get into the game, dive into the conferences and compare teams to each other at the group of five level. Not all wins and losses are created equal. Not all finishes are created equal. You talk about a Kansas State team that Troy lost to this year. That was a team that took Texas to overtime that was ranked throughout the season. Even that loss isn't a bad loss necessarily. And I think there's a ton of different factors and, and elements that point to this Troy team being the premier team in the conference or in the group of five as a whole, despite them having two losses this year. So I think going forward in the future to a 12 team playoff, I think a lot of people have hopes and dreams and aspirations of a group of five team being included in that. But if right now a conference like some, a Sunbow conference who has a team like Troy and even teams like James Madison playing at this high of a level, not kind of rightfully getting the bowl games and the bowl designations you'll see right now, when it comes to a 12 team playoff, we can't be surprised if we're still sitting here campaigning and trying to see undefeated group of five champions out of the Sunbow make it to that kind of stage. So I I think going forward, as far as the president you set that you mentioned, would like to see some changes. We'd like to see the Sun Belt get more recognition and more respect and whatever can make that happen. We'll do our part in making that happen. That's for sure. But going forward, I would definitely love to see just from a national decision making standpoint, see the Sun Belt get its presence felt more when these decisions are made when it comes to the postseason, because these players and coaches deserve it from how hard they work. Yeah, absolutely, Caden. I think that, that was a great addition to that. I think the biggest thing is much like there's a ton of scrutiny at the top of the college football playoff system, we'd like to see that same scrutiny towards the bottom when it comes to picking a, a team out of the group of five. Let's actually look at the resumes. Let's look at the teams and let's make sure the best team makes it into that 12 team college football playoff moving forward. Well, that will do it for our Sunbelt Championship recap on the Ferry and Smith podcast. Another league year has come to a close and now we'll collectively turn our attention to the upcoming historic bowl season. For the Sun Belt, Caden and I would like to say a special thank you to each of you, our listeners, as well as the many guests, the Sun Belt schools and their staffs, and so many more. Thanks for supporting the show and helping us continue to grow this into the premier destination for Sun Belt football fans. 
Before you go, don't forget that we will be back with another episode on Wednesday. Kate and I will be joined by a special guest, the executive director of bowl season, Nick Carparelli, to discuss and break down the upcoming bowl season that will feature a record 12 Sunbelt schools. You're not going to want to miss it. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, here's two things you can do. Leave us a five-star review on your way out, whether it's on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, wherever you're listening to this show. And also, make sure to keep sharing this podcast with your Sunbelt football friends. We're excited to continue growing the show into the future. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.